come on. For those of you online who didn't hear that through a microphone, come on. I am sorry for you. That was powerful. Man, God is so good. You know, last week we began talking about the coming of Christ. We use the word Advent because that is the season that we're in. And we talked about the promises and we shared the fact that really there's, there's multiple promises that are that coincide with the coming of our Savior and Lord, but we think of some promises, the promise of hope, right? And aren't you glad we have hope? The promise of peace, the peace that passes understanding, right? The promise of love. Aren't you glad that we have the love of God? And a promise of joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? And, and last week we kind of begin talking about the promise of hope and we realize the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And it's not some uh, hope. We talked about Simeon and how Simeon was later in age. I mean, some considered him to be about 112 years old and how he didn't just wait around idly for this uh, event to take place until he saw the Christ in the temple. But he was actively preparing for the coming of Christ Jesus. And how many understand that we're not supposed to sit around lazily uh, waiting on Christ Jesus to come, just waiting on him to interact. No, we are actively participating. We are preparing for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so when we understand that we are actively participating, we're actively a part of this plan, God wants us to realize that we have hope, the hope of eternity, the hope of glory, but we also have the peace that passes understanding. We have the peace of God. You know, I, I enjoy visiting family during Christmas. How many of you will have the opportunity to visit some family during Christmas, right? Some of you and most of you and somebody, somebody said, I, I'm hoping to get away from my family from Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's the peace you're looking for. I don't know. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I really do enjoy visiting my, my family, especially going to visit my, my in-laws. And I know that sounds weird. I actually love my in-laws. They, they are so laid back, so really allow me to go and shut down. There's no expectation of me to do anything but just go and relationship, you know. It's just fun to go there and relax and you get down to their cabin that they've that they built and made. They actually tore the back of the cabin off and built their house there, and it's looking over a five-acre lake, and it's just so beautiful. You can fish, you can get on the four-wheeler and go ride over the two hundred plus acres, and wow, it's just nice. And you know what's great is, is you get there and no cell phone works. You can just shut down and just wow. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it really just so peaceful. And, and the other side of that is it's not just the atmosphere that, that we go and get to spend time in. It's that you go and there's not one family conflict. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you go and you can just sit around. You can talk. You, you don't have to worry about, have I talked to this one enough? Or have I talked to that one enough? Are they going to feel bad because I didn't talk to this one, right? Somebody knows, somebody, somebody knows what I'm talking about in this house. Somebody's saying, yeah, God help us, <laughs> right? Now, you know, that's the family atmosphere that I get when I go to my, my wife's family. Now, when I go to my family, it's a different story. You know, I love going to see my brothers and sisters and my nephews and nieces and great-nephews and nieces, and there's about 50-something of them when they get together, and it's, uh, I love seeing them, but every year we get together, it's like, okay, who's arguing with who this year? Yeah, who's at odds with the brother and sister 
who hadn't spoken to mom or who hadn't spoken to dad or who's not speaking to mom or dad, who's sitting on the other side of the room and not willing to cross the room and say hello, right? And, and, and you know, me being the outsider because I am the only one of my siblings that actually live outside of the area now. And so I go in and I'm happy and I want to see everybody. I'm high-fiving, shaking hands, you know, and, and then I'm like, hey, how's so-so? I don't know. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have that kind of environment sometimes in your family situation? I mean, isn't that difficult to have such wonderful expectations of Christmas and, and the joy and how, it's, how all that excitement is so closely interwoven with hardship and hurt and pain? And it may not be that there's just chaos. It may be the fact that there's been someone who passed away over the last year that won't be there this year. And all those feelings of excitement and joy are just intermingled with the pain and hurt of the reality of human life. Come on. I know what I'm talking about. But guess what? In the midst of this chaos, in the midst of the hurt and pain we can have the peace of God. Isn't that awesome? We can find peace with our Lord and our Savior. You know, much of the Bible is written by people who found themselves in the same situation. They found themselves in conflict. They found themselves in hardships or enslaved or, or, or found themselves in exile in a foreign country and, or found themselves surrounded by nations that were wanting to siege their territory. But yet, in the midst of that, they were able to find peace. One of the very prophetic promises out of the book of Isaiah addressed the need for a new leader that would be the prince of peace, right? And I'm thankful for that word. And they believed that God was faithful to his promise that if God said that he would send the prince of peace, that he would send the peace speaker. Amen? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest or be on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Say forevermore. Forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Father, I ask that you would add your blessings to the reading of your word today. And I ask that you would open our hearts to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us, God. Lord, I pray that each one of us as we, as we go into this season or as we have delved into this season and realize already the, the various nuances that we might have to face, I pray, God, that our hearts will be humbled and our sights will be set on you, God, to know that you will lead us and guide us through all trials. And, God, that your peace is there to help us and complete us, to give us true peace. In Jesus' name, amen. The promise of God that is written by Isaiah is, is for a coming ruler, for someone who would usher in a new government that would have no end. There will be a child born, a son given, is what the Word of God says, and who will, be, who will be considered a wonderful counselor. Some people separate those words. Who would be wonderful, who would be a counselor, an everlasting father, who would be the prince of peace. This is not... The reality all the time around us, is it? Is that your reality all the time? That it's just peaceful all the time. I don't see anybody raising their hand now. No, it's not. But you know what it does do? It gives us hope that to know that there will be a time of peace. It gives us a hope to know that just as the, the Jews of those days was struggling with all of the 
fighting and trials that they were facing that this word that there would be a government of peace that would have no end, that would be forevermore, gave them a hope and a peace that reminded them that God has not forgotten them. That God would be with them. Amen? There's no secret that we live in a time where there's little peace around us. We, we, we can watch the news and just very few moments and, and see that there's chaos around us. I mean, there's places in the world where they struggle with having fresh water, where they struggle with having food. And it shows us the brokenness of our world. There's areas of our world right now that are, are living in moments where they don't know if the next day there's going to be a war breaking out. They don't know the next day if they'll be occupied by another country and, and to feel the pressure and the tensions of all of that going on all the time. I mean, we live in a world that, that is considered in a global pandemic and, and how that has affected us over the last two years and, and how we have wondered, can we go out? Can we, what do we do? Do we get a vaccine? Do we not get a vaccine? Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Do, you know, right? Can we go to the store? Can we not? Can we go to church or can we not? It's been chaotic. Whether it's far or near, where we can relate to people we can relate to even the Jews to recognize God that, that we have a desire for God's peace to be in us. We have a desire to see just the peace of God flow through us where we're not having to wonder or worry or be frustrated or concerned any longer. Wouldn't it be nice? Amen? Wouldn't it be nice to, to be able to not worry if the government's going to tell us to do something or not do something? Wouldn't it be nice to... For, for us to be able to go out and not, not have to worry about what other people are thinking about us. I literally was in the post office this week and it was packed. And you know, there were some who wear masks and some who don't. And I look, I, I, I tell people I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just saying, hey, that's your choice, right? But I heard this man lean over to this woman and say, I'm glad you're wearing a mask. And I started thinking, man, this, that so many people are so disturbed by what other people do. We're so affected by what other people think and what other people say and what other people do. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to go out once again and not have to worry about are people wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just live life and not worry about diseases and sicknesses and Oh, what heaven's going to be like, right? <laughs> if we honestly, if we're honest, we all long for that peace that comes from the Lord himself. Because this world does not give us the peace that we need. This world doesn't offer us that kind of peace. I mean, before, even before the pandemic, there's diseases that are out there. There's cancers, there's sicknesses, there's all kinds of frustrations, and, and the world doesn't give us that peace, but we have a promise from God that he will be the prince of peace. He will speak peace into our life. He'll speak hope into our life, and we have the, the knowledge of God to know that no matter what happens in this world, we can look to him and know that everything will be all right. Amen. Amen. I mean, if you look, Hundreds of years later, after Isaiah quipped these words, we see the fulfillment of this coming Christ. And it's surprising, really, to see who he spoke this to. And we look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 12, and it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly spoke stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Can I say that again? Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all. That's a good word right there. For all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Wow. 
I mean, out on the fields of Bethlehem were this group of shepherds who were watching their flocks in the middle of the night, right? When we think of shepherds, sometimes we think of the shepherds in our Christmas play. These cute little kids with the cloth wrapped around them, with a towel wrapped around their heads with a little staff, right? Aren't they cute? Precious. But really, the shepherds of the ancient Near East were anything but cute, right? I mean, honestly, to think of the shepherds at those times, they were some of the lowest of the low. They were the they were young men, nomadic, that were just out taking their sheep from one place to the other. They were normally single men without children. Uh, many times they were unclean, and oftentimes they stunk. Wow, right? I mean, they were just hard workers, and they worked long hours to earn a living, and they were considered second class and untrustworthy untru at times. And, and yet, in the midst of, of all of the description of who they are, it was them that the angels chose to come and, and give this great news to. Wow. I mean, so if I was to think, think of this, if I was to give a point, it would be that the peace of Christ is for everyone. Amen? I mean, there's a sense that from the beginning of of this Christmas story that people want peace, they want joy, they want hope, that they want love, and that it comes at the arrival of Christ Jesus, but it only comes for the powerful and the perfected. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we feel that way. But the child is, who is born has come for everybody, everywhere. He's not just for some. He's not just for a few. He's not just for the chosen frozen. Come on, somebody. He's for everybody. He's for everyone who has a need. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm a glad I'm a part of the whosoever. Amen? For everybody, everywhere, no matter what country, no matter what nationality, you have been called by God. He has come for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The angel, when he appeared, he appeared and said, well, first of all, when he appeared, the, the Bible says that they were, one verse says, sore afraid, terribly afraid. Can you imagine being out in the middle of the dark? And, and when you get outside of the city, without the city lights, and, and, and it gets dark, and you just have the stars, it's pretty dark, right? They didn't have city lights back then. You imagine on the hills out there how dark it was, and all of a sudden, it's like, boom, this massive glow that probably is even brighter than midday shines out. You imagine the, oh my goodness, what's happening here? You have to put your sunglasses on, right? And so here they were in the middle of the dark, and all of a sudden, this massive light begins to glow, and the Bible says they were terribly afraid. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our response to the Lord is of fear, afraid. They were afraid because the glory of the Lord shines around them in the midst of that night. It must have been an overwhelming, overwhelming sight to them. But this is what the Word says. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The words spoken over the shepherds, and I believe over even you and I today, the words of peace are this. Do not be afraid. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Do not be afraid. Though you may have maybe facing a painful situation, do not be afraid. Though your children or your child may be making decisions that you don't agree with, do not be afraid. Come on. 
Though you're struggling to restore a relationship, do not be afraid. Though you might be facing a diagnosis that is unfavorable, do not be afraid. Come on, somebody. Look, sometimes we get so anxious and sometimes we get overwhelmed by the circumstances of life and, and, and we're in the midst of our trial and this is the word of God that's spoken to us. Do not be afraid. Come on. Here's why. Why can we sit there and not be afraid in the midst of all of that? Because the angel of the Lord brings good tidings of great joy for all people. Not just a few, but everyone. There's a message for you that there's good news. Amen? You know, I, I don't know about you, but somebody comes to me and says, uh, I got good news and bad news. I don't like that. Because really what they want to do is they want to give you bad news, but they're trying to cover it up with something good. They're trying to sugarcoat something, right? <laughs> I really just want the good news. Don't really want the bad news. But at least that if they give me bad news, I try to get the bad news first because that way I have some hope at the end of it, right? Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And we live in a world where there's a lot of bad news, but guess what? There is some good news, and, and the angels have brought good news to us, and we have hope because of that good news. And, and maybe the fact is, is that what is the good news for us? It's the fact is, is that we have not been forgotten. We might be sh shepherds on the field. We might be outcasts. We might look like the lowest or feel like the lowest, but in the midst of that, he says, don't be afraid. You have not been forgotten. You might feel alone. You might feel outside. You might feel like nobody cares. You might wonder who's looking at me, who's paying attention to my trials. And God says, I see you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Come on. Amen. Amen. I mean, they give a, a, a word. Says he will be born in the city of David. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He's in charge. He's the king. He's the one that you've been longing for. He's the one you've been waiting for. You might be struggling now, but guess what? Hope is on the way. Amen. Peace is not the absence of conflict, it is the presence of God. I think too many times we just wish there was not conflict. The peace that Jesus brings into our lives is not necessarily the absence of trouble, but, but instead it is the confidence that we are not alone, that he is with us. The kind of peace that comes from the fulfilled promise of, of old looks different from what we may have expected. There was a, a man who was trying to find the perfect picture that would represent peace. And in the process of trying to look over that perfect picture, find that perfect picture, he had a contest. He said, whoever could paint the, the most beautiful picture of peace, and what that looks like, I want you to bring it. And so at the end of the time when they brought all the pictures, uh, each one were unveiled and each, as, as each one was unveiled, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful display, and everyone cheered, and everyone clapped. And it got down to the last two little pictures. And, and, and one of those pictures, they unveiled that, the second to the last one, and it was just beautiful scenery. It was a crystal clear lake, and, and it was just smooth as glass. And off of that was reflecting the mountains as they shone off of that. And, and it had a, a beautiful trees around and, and how peaceful and no wind was blowing and there was all this just peace and calm. And everyone was like, wow, this has to be the winner. This has to be the perfect picture of peace. But the man who had started the contest ripped off the cover of the last picture and everyone gasped and, oh, 
because the picture was a picture of a thunderstorm and, and, and the raging clouds were all around. And, and on the bottom of the picture was this waterfall and the raging water was flowing over the waterfall and, and it didn't look peaceful and it didn't look calm. And in the cleft of the rocks reaching across from the waterfall was a, an old wrinkled crooked tree and it stuck its branch out to reach out to that, that waterfall. How could that be peaceful? And in the midst of that tree, at the elbow of where the branch bent, there was a nest of a bird sitting there, and it was sitting on eggs, and its wings were over the eggs, and its eyes was closed. And that is the picture of peace. That even when the storm clouds rage, even when it seems treacherous to us, even when it seems like an impossible situation, we can close our eyes and know that we are okay. We can close our eyes and know that there's peace that passes understanding. We can know that he is with us even when everything's raging around us and know that we will be all right because we are in his hand. Amen. Amen. That's all right. Praise God. Praise God. You see, true peace can be experienced in the midst of the chaotic. When we recognize that true peace is not about our circumstances, it's not about our position in life, it's not about our financial status, it's about knowing whose we are. Knowing that He is with us. And his promises is that I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you until the end of the age. I will hold your hand in the midst of it all. Amen. The first Christmas morning, the angels brought that good news, and a child will be born in the town of David, and he will be a better king who will rule and bring peace. Really, Luke is borrowing from the prophecy of Isaiah, and he's... He's saying that the, the child will be born in the city of David. He's, he's looking, he's helping them look back to a time when there was peace. He's helping them look back to a time when, when things were better, when things were okay, when everything had been conquered and there was a, a, a reigning king that had everything under control. And they look back and say, oh, I wish I could be with that. And he's saying, look, there will be a child born in the city of David and he will be a, a true king. He will be a king whose peace will last forever and ever. In other words, he won't just be like the king of David. He will be a better king. I think so many times we're looking at a better time in our history. We're looking at a better time in, in, in our journey. We're looking at, well, it was good during this season and it's bad during this season. And the reality is, is that when we are in Christ Jesus and we're operating in his kingdom plan, it doesn't matter what's happening in the natural realm. We understand that his kingdom is already engaged. His kingdom is already at work. And when we are surrendered to his kingdom, that no matter what happens, as one one said, as for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, I know that this world is not my ultimate end. I know that God has something greater and better, so I'm going to live the joy of the Lord in my life every single day, knowing that He is my Savior, my King, and no matter what happens, I will glorify Him. Just as Job said, naked I came in the world and naked I'll go back. I don't care if I have anything in this world. What matters more is I've got Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and that is all that matters. Amen. Woo. Luke chapter 2, verse 13 says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Come on. I mean, here they are singing this inspirational song, singing of this moment and singing of this great thing. And, and the end of the song says that the peace will come to those who, who God's favor rests upon. So I want you to know, you want peace? You got to receive the favor of God. I know the peace speaker. I know him by name. 
Come on. We've got another peace speaker. God's favor comes from being at peace with God. When we have the Lord Jesus as our Savior, and we know that our relationship is where it needs to be with Him, then we have peace. The story of the Bible reveals that that the most important place where we need to experience the peace is not in the relationships and circumstances that we find ourselves around us naturally. The greatest need for peace is between us and an awesome, mighty, holy God. The book of Romans tells us that the rule that governs over most of us is the rule of sin, and it stirs up chaos. It stirs up conflict within us. Romans chapter 8, 6, and 7 says, for the, mindset of the, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it, is, for, it does, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. I'm closing if, if someone wants to come to the piano. And we find ourselves... In a world that's lost in sin. And sometimes we find ourselves lost in sin. It might not be. I mean, I think that we justify ourselves too much. Because we, we think we, we've categorized sin. We've put it in a place where, well, I'm not, I'm not drinking. Or I'm not doing drugs. Or I'm not this and I'm not that and we look at others and say well I'm not as bad as them and we're always looking at those and them but sometimes we walk around with attitudes that are unbecoming of what God would have us to walk in we walk around only in desire to please ourselves to fulfill our own passions and lusts. Isn't that what the Bible says? What is that stirs up strife among you? Isn't just the idea of wanting your own way? That's, that's the PDV version, Paul Dyer version. Isn't, the, isn't it just the self-lust and desire to, to fulfill your own desires and wanting your own things and thinking it has to be done your way and if it's done somebody else's way, then it's not good and, and therefore there's chaos and criticism and hurt feelings and bad attitudes and so on and so forth? Isn't that what sin is? I mean, if we really want the spirit of unity, do we not have to surrender and submit ourselves to Christ Jesus and and just say, Lord, it's your way, and I trust you that if it's not going the way I think it should go, that you're in charge, and, and Lord, if it's not going the way that I think it should, then Lord, I'm going to submit myself to you and pray, and Lord, if you don't change it, then I will trust you that you know all things and you are worthy of it all. Amen. And so therefore, when we think that we know better than God, How can there be peace with God? When we think that everything has to be done such... And isn't that what religion is? That we shape God into the idealisms of what we think God should do. And because this is the way it happened back then, this is the way it should happen now. And then we shape God into this mold and it says, this is God. But the Bible says that the Bible tells us to sing a new song, right? The Bible tells us that, that he's a creator. And, and if we limit God to just what he created and not realizing that he is still cre- in creation, he's creating new life and new joy and new happiness in each one of us. He's creative. I mean, if you look at the revivals that have taken place over the years, they've happened in different fashions and different forms. There's one fashion and form that seems to be congruent with all others, and that is the submission, the submission of the people of God to the hand of God and to the move of God. 
But ultimately, revivals have taken place and different things have happened. Different types of moves have happened. There's been deep moves of God where people just sit and cry and weep before the Lord. There's been moves of God where people are dancing and shouting and joyous and running and excited. And There's been revivals of laughter where people have laughed so, so hard belly laughing just at the presence of God. But if we want the peace of God, we have to say, Lord, you move. And let me be sensitive to your move. God, you, you have your way, however it looks. Whatever, the, whatever it's meant to do, Lord, I, I just want to be a part. I just want to be sensitive enough to know that when you move, I'm moving with you. And whatever that looks like, God, I'm willing to do it. Some people have made fun of us as a denomination. They've made fun of our roots. Assemblies of God, Church of God, Pentecostal holiness. They, they've made fun of our old holiness roots and a bunch of holy rollers, right? They've made fun of us because of the Brush Harbor meetings, Brush Harbor meetings where they would roll in the sawdust floors. They weren't worried about what they looked like. We've been called chandelier swingers, right? Swinging from the chandeliers. We've been called bench runners, running on tops of the backs of the benches. We've been called a lot of names. Snake handlers is one you'll never see me. <laughs> nope. I'll make a new door. But there's been some of those. But do we want the peace of God now? Do we want to experience? Do you need the peace of God? Because I know most of you in here, I may not know all the backstory, but I know that some of you are struggling. It's evident. You've been moping, you've not felt happy. You sense something's wrong. Look, I, I can't change your circumstance. But I know somebody that will walk with you through your circumstance. And if you want that peace today, if you're willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to throw up my hands. I said this last week. I'm willing to give up. I'm not saying give up on the faith. I'm saying give up your control of your circumstance. Look, in reality, you don't have control. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out the doors. The old preachers would tell you, you better get saved. You can have a car wreck as soon as you go out the door. We don't know. We really don't know. My brother was 34 years old when he had his first heart attack. 34 years old, six foot two, skinny as a rail, walking postman. Walked five miles a day delivering mail downtown. Picture of health, 34 years old, heart attack. We don't know. We have no clue what could happen to us just like that. But we have to say, Lord, I'm in your hands. And only you know, hold my tomorrows. Only you know the number of my days. Only you know. And when we can give up trying to figure out tomorrow and the, the day after that, 
and we can give up control of trying to say, I wish my child would do this, or I wish my family would do that, or I wish my husband or wife would do this or that. If we could give up control of all of those things that torture our minds, that cause us to lose peace, and say, God, you're in charge. And I surrender to you. I don't have the answers, and I don't know why. And Lord, sometimes I want to grab them up and strangle myself. But I give it to you. Say, Lord, you are my peace. If that's you this morning, says, I need peace from God. I need God to step into my chaos, my concern, my doubt, and my fear. And I need Him to speak peace in my spirit. I need to turn over all that I've been carrying. I mean, understand that your burdens, I'm not telling you that God doesn't often give us burdens, but He says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Not that it's not heavy in the sense of the weight of what we deal with, but knowing that we are yoked together with him makes the burden light because he's shouldering that with us. Maybe you feel like you're carrying your burden by yourself this morning, but I'm here to tell you that the Lord wants you to connect with him to help carry your burden if that's you would you just make your way would you find a place in this altar some people close their eyes and raise their hand but honestly you know who you are and you know your need would you be willing to join with others to say I'm ready to turn it over to the Lord I need help I need peace I need the comfort of God to walk with me. If that's you, would you would you just stand and come this way? Would you find a place right here? Thank you, Anthony. Anyone else? I know there's others. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's just the fact that you're struggling with yourself, self-worth. I feel like I'm unworthy. Why would God love me? Why would God care? God knows. No one's here to look down on you or to judge you and say, oh, they're in sin. No, 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 no. That's not who we are. (laughs) At this moment, God himself is standing at the throne saying, thank you. Thank you for turning it over. Thank you for coming to me. Thank you for surrendering. Now I can help you. Anyone else? This is that moment that you can turn it over. If you feel led, would you come? Those who feel led, would you come and just pray with these? If you want to come and get behind one of them or sit down beside one of them. Man, God is faithful. He's compassionate. He's caring. He's intentional. He knows you. Maybe you're sitting back there and saying, He knows I'm afraid to come forward. (laughs) Would you just bow your heads with me right now? Father, I just thank you, God, that you are compassionate, that you are caring. I thank you, Lord, that you know the burden that we bear, the concern that we have for our children, for our spouse. You know the health issues that that have been diagnosed. You know the health issues that we wonder what's being diagnosed. God, you know it all. Lord, you're not unaware and you're super concerned. And Lord, you want us to rely on you. The biggest pain I believe that you feel is when we do not walk in faith with you. When we don't trust that your hand is at work in us. 
And I pray, God, that you will help us to, to realize that you are here to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to bring life into our, into our death and into our chaos, to bring peace that passes understanding, to bring hope where there seems to be hopelessness. Thank you, God, that you are life and life evermore. Thank you, God, that you're in this place even right now. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace and the mercy that's made new every morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can, that we can look around and say it's morning somewhere, everywhere. Every, so, somewhere it's morning even right now. And, Lord, we know that your mercy is made new. And, God, we surrender to you, Jesus. We surrender family. We surrender our homes, our work. We surrender to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I am. Free at last, he has risen.
declare that I'm a child of God I'm a child of God amen amen Rick who the sun sets free is free indeed amen love you guys so much so thankful for you I know that some will be traveling over the Christmas holidays be safe in your travels Uh, just know that we love you and hope to see you back real soon we would love for if you've been online, um, at, whenever you are ready to come in, we would love to see you again real soon. We, we are super concerned. If there's a need, guys, that you have, or if you know of someone in need, would you please make us aware of that? Sometimes people don't tell us their need. How I many of you know that? But I want you to know if there's a need, please let us know. We, we do want to help those who are in need. I feel like for me, my goal and part of my vision is to find a need and fill it. And so if there's a need, please let us know so that we can be available and helping and encouraging. Love you guys. Remember, next Sunday is our children's program. It's going to be awesome. Remember, December 26th, we'll have a morning service at 1030. There'll be no Sunday school, but we'll have a morning service at 1030. Come be a part of that. Uh, Love on your family. Enjoy a great Christmas. Know that there's peace in the midst of the storm. Amen. God bless you guys.